0: Yo, oh. yo, yo, oh.
1: Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party, we bout to party. Oh. Unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space, pump and
2: make them bounce now. Bloss it like they bossin' and the freaks are coming out now. Everybody, welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of all elite wrestling. I am Aubrey Edwards here with my best friend, Tony Schiavone. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing
1: great, Aubrey. It's great to be talking with you again. Better question, how's Bug doing? Yeah, he doesn't give a shit about anything, which is, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> He's just chilling. He's chilling.
2: Bug is just chilling, just like our guest today. Hello, Stefan. How are you? Hey, I'm
3: doing really well today.
2: I'm so excited you're here. I think we've had a total of two refs, if you include me on this podcast. (laughs) So I've been bugging Paul Turner for like a year. Hey, you should get on. And now I'm going to be like, hey, so we had Stefan on. Why are you not on? So thank you for uh, helping me make my point to get more refs on this podcast. Anyway, welcome to Unrestricted. How's your day been so far?
3: Uh, So far, so good. I'm like on my second cup of coffee, got some work done. And this is a part of the day. (laughs) Taking a little break.
2: (laughs) I want to kind of touch on, at the time we're filming this, we were just in El Paso. We're about to go to Laredo. Mm-hmm. And you took one of the best ref bumps I have ever seen. And I think all of us backstage are like, did he just die? <laughs> like, <laughs> you got punched and then like took like a high back bump off the apron, stumbled onto the ground. And I'm just like, this is incredible. And this is after you had already been elbow dropped in the back by Jay Lethal. I'm like, man, this guy's making us all look bad.
3: My back has taken so much of a beating so far this year. I got squashed in the corner last week. I've taken an elbow drop, um, and then I landed on my neck (laughs) this past week. So (laughs) I'm taking more of a beating than I've taken in the last five years. So it's thankfully, I'm okay. I'm upright. I can actually walk. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty intense. (laughs) It was pretty intense. Yeah, as long as I'm upright. Is that the nastiest bump you've ever taken, or is there one worse? I can't name one that's worse. Wow. I I mean, this is coming from doing like 10 years of wrestling. Like, this is probably like the first time that I've like really landed, landed on my neck like I did this past week. So it was definitely one that I felt like just a little bit after. But as far as like the gnarliest looking one, this was probably it. This was probably the one.
2: Has Bowens apologized to you?
3: Yes. (laughs) Thankfully. Good. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's an
2: upstanding young gentleman. If he didn't apologize to you, he'd have, uh, I'd be throwing hands this week, let's just say.
3: Austin Gunn, on the other hand, he did not apologize. He
2: is an asshole.
3: hundred percent. Yeah.
2: I I don't care if you just want a title, like,
3: I'm going to call it like I see it. He's an asshole. (laughs) <laughs> A guy who walks out covered in that much glitter, he's got to be an asshole.
2: <laughs> oh, man. And he just gets it all over you. And it's just disgusting. Like It's in the just, ring.
3: It's on my ref shirt. I couldn't believe it.
2: <laughs> it. And it sticks. It's like the blood you can at least like wipe off and stuff. But the yeah. Austin gun glitter stays. It just reminds you constantly that it's there. It's awful. <laughs>
3: I took one look at my pants, and I'm like, yep, it's awesome. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You took an elbow drop from the top rope from
1: Jay Lee. I don't know why we're talking about your bump card, but we are. It's <laughs> <You took, laughs> probably got the el- best
2: one in AEW of all yeah. the whole ref team.
1: Took an elbow drop in January from the top from Jay Lethal uh, in that Jay Lethal and Jared against the Acclaimed. It's a no-holes-barred match where anything goes, no rules. Is that the most dangerous type of match to referee in?
3: I'd say so because there's there's no amount of foresight you can have as far as like what these guys are gonna do. Like if they wanna escalate it another level, they're gonna escalate it as high as they can. For for a match like that, it can get pretty crazy pretty quickly.
2: One of the things that makes you unique is that all the other refs at our company have been here since the beginning. And you joined with us it's almost been like a full year now, right?
3: Yeah, so actually El Paso was the about the year of me being an AEW.
2: Congratulations! <laughs> it's your it's your AEW birthday, I guess. Uh, tell us the story of how that happened. How did you uh fall into AEW's lap?
3: I moved to the Northeast at the beginning of last year, and I just wanted to do a bunch of indie shows just to kind of get my name back out there, and in hopes that doing uh, higher profile shows would lead to an opportunity with AEW. So I reached out to New Japan, did New Japan, did GCW, did a few other high profile indies in the Northeast. And then I just kind of put a feeler out there. I sent an email, said, "Hey, is there any opportunities here?" And then AEW reached back out to me to do Dark in Orlando, and that's just kind of how it all came together. Like I got the email; it was just an opportunity to just come down, do some matches, you know, see how it would work out. And it just so happens that I did a couple matches, and Tony Khan, you know, being at the forefront of this thing, like he's there at these shows, and he just walks up to me, he's like, "Hey, can you be in Atlantic City?" and from Atlantic City, just kind of, you know, spawned into me being a full-time referee with AEW. And so far, it's just been, like, a really wonderful experience to be able to travel around the world, travel to the United States, work a lot of these big arenas, T-Mobile, Kia Forum, and a lot of these places that, you know, you you just watch on TV and you just go, man, like, this would be really dope. (laughs) Like, it would be really dope to be, like, wrestling in these places because that's where you see it at it's responded to like this wonderful opportunity to just like live a part of my dream that I, I just didn't get a chance to do um, in the first half of my career.
1: We're talking to Stefan Smith and we're uh, next segment. We're going to talk about your wrestling career, but I wanted to bring up something from that segment into this, that you were a referee in NXT, right? Uh, yeah, I was there for
3: about two years. And you that's, well, that was the first time you became a referee? No. So right around... 2017-18, I was just kind of down on my wrestling career. Right, it's wasn't really progressing as far as I wanted to, so I actually tried to quit wrestling altogether, just cold turkey, just say, you know what, this is my last show, you know, screw it, I ain't telling nobody, I'm just done. You know, naturally the business just kind of draws you back in when you're bored. Right. <laughs> so I, I started back up refereeing because I just didn't want to feel the pressure of being a wrestler. Being a wrestler is tough. You have to worry so much about your physical appearance, your performance, you know, whether you're staying up to date with the trends of what's happening in the industry at that moment. So I just switched to refereeing. And then right around 2019, I did a Evolve camp. And that was what spawned into me getting an opportunity with the WWE and starting with NXT. So it's been about five years since I started refereeing.
2: It was really awesome because I remember seeing you pop in at NXT and I hit up my buddies over there. I was like, hey, who's who's this kid? And like immediately everyone's like, oh, Stefan's the best. Stefan's great. Like so, so wonderful. (laughs) And it's one of the things that's kind of difficult about being a referee is like our personality only comes through so much. Mm -hmm. People don't understand like how nice you are and how wonderful you are. (laughs) And so I'm just like, oh, man. So as soon as I saw you pop up at dark, I'm like, oh, bro. I love this guy. Like, I had never met you before, but I knew that, like, all of my friends had said nice things about you. I'm like, oh, no, he's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. And you have television experience, which a lot of us, when we started at AEW, did not have. Mm -hmm. So it was great to have this, like, outside perspective of how you do TV at another company, because there are differences with the way that, like, AEW does TV versus how NXT does TV. And I kind of want to spin that into some of the stuff you were talking about before, like doing high-profile indies. So one of the things that I saw you do recently, and I think I texted you when I saw it, is you got to be at PWG recently at BOLA.
3: Yeah, that was a really awesome opportunity. And it just so happened to kind of coincide with us being on the West Coast. So I just kind of just took a shot, you know, shoot my shot, and I just asked. (laughs) I was like, hey, like, we're here. I'm going to be in LA. You're in LA. Let's, you know, let's make something happen here. (laughs) And um, thankfully, um, the staff over at PWG, they said yes. And, you know, I was very grateful to be able to, to do that. It was a really awesome experience.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a much different dynamic, isn't it? I mean, the fans are just like right on top of you. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. How does that change the way you referee a match if the fans are right there or does it? How
3: much can I peel back the curtain? Yeah, as much as you want. As much as you want, dude. <laughs> so obviously, like, as a referee, we're in there communicating. Like, we're also there to encourage the performers as they perform. Right. So, really, with the fans being so close, you kind of have to mask that a little more. Like, you can't just be in there, just open mouth talking. Hey, how are you doing? (laughs) Like, this match is awesome. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so you just got to be able to kind of find creative ways to communicate and really just kind of be in there with the talent and, you know, encourage them along and, you know, tell them where they're at in their matches. And also try not to be in the way for too long because, you know, these fans are coming there to watch the wrestlers. So, you don't want to staying in one spot for too long and then you're blocking you know right a fan in one section versus the other
1: right
2: as much as people are there to see wrestling they're not there to see ref butts
3: yeah so. pretty much <laughs> and with the way the camera is like positioned it was basically all ref butt the whole night
2: yeah <laughs> pretty much but i mean that that venue is really cool if no one's ever been to the globe theater in la definitely worth checking out there's like bullet holes in one of the corners of the venues. Hmm. oh i didn't know that yeah yeah it's really cool i'll have to tell you the full story of work but yeah it's like it's super historic building and there's just been a lot of stuff that's gone on there for a long time and uh it's really great so i was really happy to see you pop up at pwg because it's like it's one of those places like on the indies like if you want to make it as an indie like you go to pwg yeah as as a referee there's not really like that equivalent right it's just like oh yeah you just work a bunch of different places and eventually you end up on tv maybe and it's like brother just showed up at pwg what the hell this is great
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and especially with like the nature of refereeing, it's you typically don't get too many opportunities outside of your sphere of influence, just your area. So if you're West Coast, you're pretty much you're likely just be West Coast your whole entire career. TV is the highest as we get, but to be able to be like a guy that started, you know, somewhere else and to be able to do things like Ring of Honor and PWG and a lot of these like higher profile places and events that I just watched just early on in my career and just early on as a teenager, that was really special. That's like a really big check off the list for me.
1: And that brings up something else I, I wanted to get into. And Aubrey, you can weigh in on this, but Stefan, I don't think fans realize this, how important you guys are to the safety of our wrestlers. It's, it's a very important thing. You're in communication all the time. You're kind of the first line of communication if someone is really hurt or not. Yep. Talk about how important that is to your job it's
3: one of the things that we're, we're, we're enforcing the rules. We're communicating times, but, you know, also we have to be there to to tend to the care of like who we're in there with. As we're kind of on the road with AEW, you see a lot of these people, you have different experiences with these people. Like you get to know them, you know, their families, you know, their history, you know, their personalities. So you really want to ensure that, They get in and they get out safely. And that's, you know, whoever wins, whoever loses, loser's lane. You want to make sure everybody is okay at the end of their matches. The best or most recent example we have is with Paul Turner and Hangman. Just how quickly he was able to just attend to him, to be able to protect him and to make sure that he was safe and that he was well cared for. It's one of the nuances of being a referee that I don't think people understand and really know about. I've had people who I've worked with just come up and thank me. It's like, hey, thank you for asking if I'm okay. Thank you for just checking on me because they may have taken a rough fall. You know, nobody realizes it except for the person who's like right there. Like I saw where they landed and nobody else saw that. Yeah, that's really a, a big portion of what we do.
2: We are talking to Stephon Smith, newest edition of the AEW Zebra Squad here on AEW Unrestricted.
1: This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey with you, uh, talking with uh, Mr. Bundle of Nerves, on Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't tell us that during the break, dude. We're going to throw it at you.
2: Oh, <laughs> twist oh the knife.
1: man. It's, it's only increased
3: It's grinding. In yeah. there.
1: <laughs> We're going to increase your nervousness right now by telling everyone you started wrestling as an in-ring performer under the name of Rump Thump. Oh my god! <laughs> Tell us the story about that ring name. How did you get it started? Where did you, how did all that start?
2: <laughs>
3: Rump thump. So it started out as just a move. <laughs> so when I got back from so I I studied abroad in England for my junior year of college, and I gotten back, I was like, okay, I'm just a rest, Mr. Russell Wrestle, Wrestle guy, but just no personality. And then um one of my friends, uh, Mark Rivera, he was like, hey, like you've got a big ass. Like you might as well just use it as like, just you, just hit people with it and that's your fitness. And I'm like, what? Like really? He's like, yeah, we'll call it the brump thump. Whatever. <laughs> that's wrestling in a nutshell. <laughs> so that was Virginia. And then I moved to Louisville and Danny Davis and this guy, Craig Miller, they had this idea to do these kind of OBW kind of like old school shows. And one day, you know, I'm thinking I'm brump thump Stefan Smith. And then I show up and one day the card is just body guy versus brump thump. And I'm like, all right, I go with it. And then from there, like every time on OVW TV, it was just rumped up, rumped up, rumped up, rumped up, rumped up. And no mention of Stefan Smith or who he is. It's just rumped up. And the people loved it. I was a great match. One guy. <laughs> I used to come out the celebration. Um, and just like get the people going. Just, just like a real like fun party atmosphere. And you know, that just so happened to be my finish and also my name.
2: (laughs) It's just the total friggin' package, man. Yeah. And it's so (laughs) great that like the simplest things in wrestling are the things that resonate with the audience, right? Like, Hey, you have a big ass. You should just make this your gimmick.
3: It's great. Yeah. He used to tell me do side bends and sit ups, but don't lose that butt.
2: (laughs) Yep. That's a a great line for commentary. Tony Schiavone, if you want to add that to
3: your notes. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you, you had mentioned a little bit of like OVW in there. Uh, when, when did you start actually training?
3: That's a really interesting question because I can't even trace it back myself. I used to do, just go to this local indie in Maryland and they used to just kind of bump me around, show me how to run the ropes, tie up, put a headlock on. But that was really the extent of what I knew for my first year of wrestling. It wasn't until I went over to England and I started training with a guy named Justin Richards and Adam Mansfield, that I really learned how to actually wrestle and apply different holds and just different techniques and nuances about our industry. And then once I got back, it was when I started training with Rip Rogers for the length of time that I was with him that things kind of really started to come together for me as a wrestler and really to understand how fun and how simple this this business can be. And and also to get like a realistic overview of what the industry is. Like when they say OVW was like the Harvard of wrestling training, it really was for me. It was like going to college at that point.
1: And an OVW trained at Rip Rogers, right? Yes. How was that training for you? It was intense. Like he's an intense guy.
3: <laughs> that's, that's putting him way, <laughs> Right. <laughs> it was intense. Like you, you worked us really hard, like every Saturday, Sunday for at least three, four hours. Like we had a really good group. Of guys who were like pushing us in and we were just motivating one another because that was also the time that TNA developmental was there. So everybody was really trying to work hard and be our best selves so that if an opportunity with impact or TNA, whatever you want to call it at the time, if that ever came around, we were over prepared as want to want us to be.
2: I actually didn't know this until I was reading through your notes today, but you actually had a tag match with Nyla Rose back in 2018.
3: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay now yeah. Yeah. so tell All us right. about that mr O'Boy. Oh boy <laughs> so i was in this kind of middle phase of being a referee and a wrestler like where i just was like okay you know what i'm the guy who's going to do everything my friend was running Capitol, and he's like hey we'll bring you in the referee but we might have you wrestle every now and then so there's actually a, a clip online mine where nyla is looking for a tag team partner and she comes up and scares me she's like hey like my other butt guy canceled because I was bumped <laughs> up. My other butt, like, my butt, other butt canceled. guy canceled on me. That's the most
2: Nyla phrase I've ever heard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was her coercion, her coercion into getting me to wrestle again. And then it became Nyla the Native Beast with Rumpfum as her tag team partner. And we had a really fun time. Like I got to have a couple matches with her. And that's how like our relationship started. That's awesome.
1: Nyla's one of my favorite people in the entire world. Yeah. What a sense of humor. And that was Capital Wrestling in 2018, according to our notes.
3: Yeah, it was around that time. Um, so I did a few matches for them. I started off refereeing, but then I just became uh, a wrestler for them team with Nyla, just kind of doing, you know, different bits and different matches. Like it was largely intergender, which was new for my career at the time. Mm-hmm. Me and Nyla, we got to face Brutal Bob and Tough Timmy. And then I believe not too long after that, she signed with AEW and we stopped tagging, but. My, my wrestling career in that company kind of continued on until, until I kind of gave up wrestling at that point, right around that time. One of the referees at Impact, since I was doing some stuff for them at the time, John Bravo, he actually told me, he's like, Hey, like you can either keep on being a good wrestler and just wrestling and just kind of doing along, going along with that, or you can become a great referee. And that was around the time that I just, you know, made the hard choice of, okay, Wrestling has been fun, but refereeing is what I feel like is really going to catapult me to where I want to be because there are more opportunities coming along with refereeing, with Impact, and and eventually with Evolve and WWE and out with AEW. So him really having that conversation with me was what changed the trajectory of my career. I'm really thankful for him having like that hard talk with me about transitioning over.
2: Johnny Bravo's great. Yeah. How did you end up at NXT?
3: Uh, It was three of all. They had like a a camp, like a three-day camp down in Florida where they had like the NXT coaches come in. I think it was like Norman Smiley, Robbie Brookside, and, and a bunch of different coaches. But basically, like me having wrestler experience wrestling experience, I basically just did everything. So if they're doing roles, I'm doing roles. If they're doing drills, I'm doing drills. If they need a referee for matches, I'm doing those. If they needed somebody to fill in because we got an uneven number, I'm wrestling the match. I basically just Jag of all trades, just tried to do as much as possible. When I messaged Gabe Sapolsky afterwards, he was like, hey, like, you know, you seem like you have a really good attitude about things. Can you make it to some shows? And I think he booked me for like four shows, Um, like running like New York, Philly, and then a couple up in the New England area. But after that first weekend of shows, I got contacted by WWE. So I only did like one run of Evolve and then it was like the wheels are, are turning. And it's just blowing my mind at that point because I'm like, there's no way. I'm, I'm not in the greatest shape for this. Like, I'm not prepared for this at all. And, you know, sure enough, like it all came together. And right around October, right when the Wednesday night war started, the week after, actually, that's when I started with the next team.
1: They, they talk about a Wednesday night war, and I get that. Did you keep an eye on AEW as a referee, what was going on there, or did you just
3: do your own business, not worry about it? I was so busy at the time. Like the NXT schedule for the time that I was there was very difficult. It was about six days a week. So yep. I was wrestled out by the time <laughs> that wrestling was done for the week. <laughs> so I, I I kept like some eye on it. I will watch some matches, but I didn't keep as close of an eye as, as I probably should have at that time period. It was more so me just kind of focusing on my career with the WWE during the time period I was there.
2: I totally respect the like, hey, I'm wrestled out and I'm not going to watch everything like 100% feel yeah. you want <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, brother. The other thing, and I'm sure we'll probably get into this more, uh, and I'm going to put Stefan over a bit. Mm. Stefan is one of the like hardest working guys that I know because we'll get to the show, I'll hop in the lounge at the hotel, and he's sitting there programming because he's got this whole other gig that he's doing. And then on top of that, the next morning, he's one of the first guys in the gym so, like, of course he doesn't have time to watch wrestling because he's killing it <laughs> in, like, everything.
1: <laughs> doing my best. Yeah. Okay, so are we allowed to say what the other gig
2: is? Yeah, that's totally fine. So, so Mr. Programmer, what is it you're doing in your free
3: time? So right around during, like, 2021, like, we were still, like, in the height of the pandemic and we weren't working as often um, down at NXT. And I just got this grand plan of, like, okay, like, if, Anything happens, workforce reductions, because you see that happening in other industries. If that ever happened, what's my next game plan? And so I decided to go back to school, go to UCF and do a coding boot camp, because if I wanted a career outside of wrestling, that was the career that I want. And when things, you know, happen, how they happen with NXT, I lean back on that. And I started to network in the in the Florida area, and I got an opportunity to become a software engineer, and and that's my outside of AEW gig that I do every week, Monday to Friday.
1: Wild. Okay, wow. So this uh, this interview is over. Uh, he is ten times smarter than me. And with uh, <laughs> so, we can go a long way with this. At least I can. Are, does it involve
3: video games? Is that it, or is just computer coding? No, so there's there's different kinds of coding that people can do. There's different you know ad, avenues within the industry. Mine is mostly like front end, back end. So when you look at a website, that's the front end, that's what you see. But also there's an entire back end that has like logical operations and functions and and different things that kind of power that website. So that's more so what I do.
1: And the reason I ask is that the uh, the Hogwarts video game has just come out, and I I got that thing, <laughs> and I'm thinking, holy shit. yeah yeah it's amazing they had to have coders locked in a basement in seattle for like uh 24 months
3: and not let them out i'm sure aubrey can probably tell you more about that one. yeah i'm sure she can
2: (laughs) i mean that's uh programming the video game industry in general let's lock you in a room and you work for 120 hours a week but you know
1: (laughs) unbelievable unbelievable anyway stefan that's great that's having a very good hit on your shoulders
3: yeah and and i'm very thankful that AEW has really allowed me to pursue something that's uh That's also a passion of mine outside of the company. Even as a kid, it was just purely HTML, CSS. I would still try to do those like old GeoCities and Yahoo websites. Um, I wasn't very good at it, but it was definitely... Were you a big Dreamweaver guy? See, I learned about Dreamweaver when I was in high school. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Yeah. So I learned about it eventually. But that was something that I was very interested in. But I just didn't have the resources or the support to pursue it. At that time, but things come around, it's all full circle. Like when I started wrestling, someone told me, Hey, you should probably think about being a referee. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to be a wrestler.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, like having a good backup plan. Cause who knows this could all be over tomorrow.
3: Absolutely. Like me falling on my neck could have been career ending, but <laughs> thankfully it wasn't. <laughs> thankfully
2: you know how to actually take a bump. So
3: <laughs> yeah. We are talking to Stefan Smith
1: coming up Next. It's fan questions. Oh,
2: boy. <laughs> this is Aubrey and Tony talking to Savon Smith here on AEW Unrestricted. Had a talk that has just jumped along all different areas. Wrestling, programming, refing, going to Europe. There's just so many different things that have happened in your life that are absolutely wonderful and exciting. And I'm glad that we finally got you on this podcast. It's great. But now let's deep dive a little bit more. We have some fan questions, but we have some general ref questions too, since we don't have refs on here very often. And I'm curious, what is your favorite type of match to referee?
3: Just very story driven matches. Like if I can feel the energy of the crowd and feel the energy of the wrestler and and, and how how they walk out, just the attitude and the charisma that they have, like, If I can kind of get wrapped up in that moment with everyone else, those are the best matches to referee, in my opinion. It's like Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett against the Acclaimed, or when it's Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal against, you know, Darby and Sting, you just feel just the ambiance of the arena and how everybody's just like, all right, like, you know, shit's about to go down. Like, those are the moments that I love. Do you have a a single match
1: that's been your favorite to referee? I, I know you did... You did a PWG and inter- intergender match, but do you have a favorite match of all time? I haven't designated
3: one yet. Man, that's a tough question. Right. It would probably be better if I actually broke these things down. <laughs> but I'd say there's a few that I can dig back fondly on, like Walter against Tommaso Ciampa. That was like one of my first big high-profile That one was really special. The matches with the acclaimed against Swerve and Al Glory, like those, really stick out to me because those were really big moments for me. Yeah, even being able to work like those early Blackpool Combat Club matches, those early six bands when they were just you know just kind of beating everybody's asses, <laughs> those were really fun times too. But but yeah, like I haven't I haven't narrowed down to just one particular match at all.
2: I always find that that's what it is, right? There's always like the ones that stick out to you as like memorable. Yeah. When you're doing interviews, it's like, oh, the ones that I can tell you about and the kayfabe ones that I can't tell you about, like why this one was really great. So I'm going to put it on you. You got to start writing this down. So the next time you do media (laughs) and someone asks you, what's your favorite match? You're like, oh, it's this one. Totally.
3: I need some Excel tips.
2: (laughs) Right. Oh my God. You want Excel tips? Oh, dude, (laughs) we're going to sit and chat. I'll show you all the macros. It's great. (laughs) Well, I had mentioned this a little bit earlier about like fitness, nutrition, moving away from rump thump. But this is something that I see you do a lot. Like you're one of the guys that brings the meal prep in the microwave, doing all that shit at work. What did it take for you to like, start going on your fitness and nutrition journey?
3: It was really wrestling. Like when I was about 18 years old, I was just, I had never seen the inside of a gym. I didn't know what working out was. So I was in college. And my friends were like, "Hey, like." here's a workout plan, like, we'll help you out. So right around, I was like 18, 19, I just started going to the gym and it just became a regular part of my life. And I just realized like the positive influence that it's had on not just my physical appearance and my confidence, but also just my general demeanor and mood. Like going a period without working out, like, is anybody to tell you? Like, it's it sucks. Your Your entire, everything just kind of tanks at that point. You don't get that release. Really, my fitness journey is just, a lot of just self-improvement and, and just seeing how it's reflected positively and, you know, different avenues of my life, especially wrestling.
1: All right, let's get to some fan questions for Stefan Smith. This is from Heel Buddy, H-E-E-L Buddy. <laughs> okay, Heel Buddy. Great handle. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your top three referees of all time?
3: Ooh. Ooh. Number one. No pressure looking at one of them right now. <laughs> checks in the mail tony okay top three in no particular order mind you okay john cone is probably at, is up there mike Kyota. and then my third would be charles Robinson. honestly yeah those are the three guys that i kind of looked at as like okay like these guys they they know what they're doing like they're able to kind of mix in any kind of situation right they're just really wonderful to watch you know
1: Uh, Charles Robinson is the Benjamin Button of referees. He looks the same now as he did (laughs) back in the WCW days. It's unbelievable.
2: It's not even fair, man. I'm like, some of us are trying to fight the aging, and he's just going backwards. I know. Second part of that question, uh, and I'm curious because every ref always has fun answers for this. What are your top three favorite wrestlers to work with?
3: Again, in no particular order. If we can go right now, I would say it's Emmy Sakura.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> for- <laughs> i not say Emmy, I was gonna be real mad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Emmy's on the list. The acclaimed are on the list for sure. And I also go like Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal as a tag. Like those are really fun times. Like tag matches honestly were like the scariest thing for me at at first. Like managing four different people all at the same time or as many as six or eight, like, how the hell do you do that? But you know, it's taken a lot of practice and a lot of work. But now I'm able to kind of enjoy it. So naming tag teams is those are the fun times for me.
1: Marco Solis Martinez, who in the locker room gives you the most
3: smack talk in the ring? The most smack talk in the ring? I'd probably say it's Aria Davari. My goodness! Oh my god! <laughs> that man just yelled at me. I'm just I'm like, bro, chill. <laughs> I'm just telling you to get him out the corner. <laughs>
2: Literally my job, dude. Don't get
3: mad at me. It's not that deep. You got a five count You know that. Stop yelling <laughs> at me.
2: <laughs> we have a question from uh ref Aubrey on Twitter. Um, who in the locker room gives you the most encouragement or advice?
3: Jim Ross, I'd say. Whenever I feel like or whenever he's kind of noticed that, you know, maybe you can like tighten your work up here, like maybe you can like work on something here. Um He's a very blunt guy. I don't think people realize that. Yes, he is. But that level of bluntness, like I take that. I don't internalize it as like bad criticism. I'm like, okay, this guy is being honest with me. And I take that any day. So his honesty has kind of pushed me to really tighten up in areas that I feel like maybe I'm neglecting, like say my health, nutrition or time. And he's been the one that encouraged me to do that.
1: All right. Derek Lockwood wants to know, what is the most stressful part of the job? Getting to get the match done on time. Yes! Oh my god, <laughs> buddy! <laughs> oh, holy shit! Moly. Oh my god! Closing out a TV show. Oh my god. There's, as, as you know, there's um, a couple of week people I've worked very closely with, and when Dynamite is done, every Dynamite we look at each other and say, "How did we fucking get this show done? I don't know. Exactly? How did we get it out?" And we do every time. So I get that, man.
3: Yeah. Live TV is very stressful, especially with wrestling. It's insane.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm not going to name names, but there's definitely like one of those stressful moments as a ref when someone's telling you in your ear, like, you know, you're over time, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yep, I know I'm over time.
3: You can't look at the camera and go, I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally just like looking at a hard camera, like, okay, I'm aware they're over (laughs) here we're trying trying (laughs) Trying to just herd these cats back home buddy
3: (laughs) yeah wow like i know we're tight but we're we're trying
1: (laughs) either either one of you ever thought about just looking at them and say
2: go fucking home now oh dude i've done that before jesus christ what's going on
3: here (laughs) okay (laughs) i've done that (laughs) i think we've all kind of had to do some version of that at some point like hey brother like you know you two minutes over like come on (laughs) right I've told the story before but uh
2: my my 1000th match was with Private Party. Mm-hmm. They're definitely overtime and they're in the middle of the heat and I just look at Mark Quinn and go go the fuck home. <laughs> and now every time I'm in a match with him like I have to make sure that I say this cuz he's like, "Hey do the thing." And I'm like, "No, cuz you're overtime. Like this isn't <laughs> yeah. about being fun, dude. This is about going home on the right time." <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> on TV, did you always work with an IFB? Yes. Yeah. You know, back in the day they didn't. It was like they either had the signal, they either walked somebody out, or they had a guy with a either police tie at ringside, or the put tie, a or the pencil, pencil or, on the mouth, or yeah. scratch
2: the chin, nope. put the hands on the head.
1: Right. right. There are stories with the Gorilla Monsoon walking to the ring, <laughs> all the way to the ring, and hitting the ring to go home. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, when they wouldn't listen, when they are going over, and back in the Crockett days, it was Gene Anderson. Uh, the late Gene Anderson of the uh, Minnesota Ranking that would walk to the ring. The closer he would get, the more you were going over on time. So if you saw him at ringside, you were fucked. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, you know, Gene was different because you go back and Gene would stretch you. So... Times have changed. <laughs> like, would he just get in the ring or, he, or just after the match? You just say, hey. After the match, yeah. He, he <laughs> can grab him by the hand and pull him behind him. And Oh, my God. Hammerlock. He was tough. He's tough. He's
3: got those Bob Rosen techniques.
1: That was the old days. <laughs> you know, that was That the was old the old days. days.
2: Yeah. So I, I want to ask the question because we talk about what the most stressful part of your job is. But y- having been both a wrestler and a referee, what is the thing that you enjoy most in
3: wrestling? It's just being able to entertain people, send them on a the journey tell a story with them, like get them wrapped up in the moment. Like, cause if they start off lukewarm and you can kind of get them like fighting in on their feet and just involved in what magic we're trying to convey here, I'd say that's the best part about being in the industry and and being a part of wrestling, whether you're a wrestler or a referee. Cause say if the crowd's like not really with a match at some point, cause it's just how it works out sometimes. Say you might get like a near fall and that might get people to go, Oh snap. it just ended on just this mundane thing we weren't expecting on like that's one of the things i really appreciate about the industry and that i really love to be a part of. All
1: right brother, we appreciate you man. You do a great job. You really really do. Keep taking them bumps. <laughs> or don't. Maybe you should stop. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Definitely getting a eating paddle on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, you do a great job, Stefan. You really do. We appreciate you being and i i didn't realize you were coding in the back. My god. What's wrong with me?
2: <laughs> You're a little busy on show day, Tony. To be fair, I,
1: I, I always knew that he that he was doing something, but I didn't realize what it was. You know, he's making money. <laughs> Most people that are that are doing something are like, oh, let's see online what they think about me. <laughs>
2: They're just dick
3: oh, on no. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stay away from Twitter. Thank God. Yeah, good job.
2: I I want to thank you for being here today, buddy. It was funny because like you at one point showed me the email from Stacey in your phone like, wait, is this real? (laughs) Like, yeah, no, we want you to be on the podcast. You're like, why? (laughs) It's like, because you're an interesting dude with an interesting story. But on top of that, like, I just love being able to chat with you here. I love being able to chat with you at work. I've loved being able to see your work. I've definitely stolen shit from you going, ooh, that was cool. I'm going to do that in the ring. So thank you for just being an awesome member of our team. And I really appreciate you being here today.
3: I appreciate you guys inviting me like I didn't think that, like, my background was all that interesting, but, you know, I'm glad that I was able to kind of tell it a little bit here. And I appreciate you guys giving me the platform to do that. Thank you.
1: All right, Stefan. You can follow him on Twitter at RefStefanSmith, but don't bother him. He's got pressure putting <laughs> a match together, and he's coding in the back. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and for more, here's Aubrey Edwards.
2: You can listen to and follow this podcast, AEW Unrestricted, free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Check out the video episodes on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. Dynamite, you can watch on TBS on Wednesdays. Rampage, you can watch on TNT on Fridays. Dark Elevation and Dark, Monday and Tuesday, respectively, on YouTube. Hey, I am Aubrey Edwards, along with Tony Schiavone. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted.
1: Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted, Got Pump and make them bounce now Bouncing like they bouncin and the bricks are coming out